I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast, your home for deer hunting news, stories, and strategies. And now, your host, Mark Kenyon. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kenyon, and this is episode number 352. And today on the show, the nine-fingered wonder and I are doing some social distance socializing, simply kicking back and catching up, telling hunting, fishing, and foraging stories, and maybe even chatting with a surprise special guest. All right. Welcome to another episode of the Wired to Hunt podcast brought to you by Onyx. Um, I feel, well, before I talk about how I feel, (laughs) I got Dan, Dan Johnson on the other side. Glad you can be here, Dan. I, I need I need some Dan Johnson in my life today. Well, that's good. Why Why do you need me in your life? Because I feel like I'm in a rut. Uh-oh. Or just this, just this endless cycle of the same monotonous thing. And this, wow. this is probably not unique to me right now. I got to believe there's a lot of people who are kind of feeling the same way. Are you feeling this at all? A little bit, but not too terribly bad. I mean, I still get to go outside a lot. Uh, I've been mushroom hunting. I've uh, been doing a little turkey hunting. And uh, so that kind of throws a break up into everything. And um, I, I I can't say that that's been the same feeling for me. So that's kind of good. That is good. And I, I've been doing the same things you've been doing. I have been mushroom hunting and turkey hunting and getting outside still some, but I don't know. It's It's like a very... It's a very domesticated set of, yeah. of things, maybe, or maybe it's just because uh, kid life mixed with quarantine life has produced like a, a dampening effect on the excitement I would get out of some of these things. I'm not sure, um, but it's definitely like I just have this feeling. Uh, how do I describe it? Just kind of this latent like wanderlust. Like I just need to get out. I need to just like. I need yeah. that other, and right now yeah. it's just get up, do the routine, feed the kids, get your work done. Uh, you get done with work, you clean the house, put the kids to bed. Then you're so tired, you finish off the last bit of work, and then you pass out. Um, and because of all this weird stuff going on, there's not like that thing necessarily, the big thing to look forward to as much, or uh, yeah. I don't know. 
that's just yeah. that's just the weird place that uh, that I find myself. I can't complain too yeah. much, but well, I will tell you this: I can agree with you when it's time to like for me, it's time to start moving around. And I don't just mean driving a mile into the country to go look for mushrooms. I mean, I need to do something big. I need to make a move. So uh, today, actually, me and my wife uh, rented a cabin up in northeast Iowa. And so next weekend, we're going on a little two-day adventure with the kids up in northeast Iowa to do some fishing, some hiking, um, and just chill up in a different place. Very cool. Yeah, that's yeah. the kind of thing that we haven't been able to do for like two months here now. And yeah. uh, I think that is that is what I need. We are Michigan. I don't know how. Iowa, you guys have not been under the same things, but we've been under stay at home since like March and it yeah. got extended through the end of May. Yeah. Uh, I was talking to Andy May. Yeah. And he was telling me that even if you own a cabin up north in along the lakes, like a lot of people do, they're telling you you can't do that, even to go onto your own property. Well, they were saying that, and then about oh, okay. about a week ago, about a week ago, that was lifted. So now, technically, if you have a place, you can technically go there. People are just being discouraged to do that. They don't want people traveling all over the state and possibly spreading things around here and there. Um, but it's it's not like a codified stance anymore. So. I don't yeah. know. I don't know, man. Strange times. Um, of course, you want to do the right things, but um, but it is, I think, trying. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely trying. Heck, I, parts of Iowa are opened up again. Right. Yeah, a lot, like a lot of restaurants states. And, yeah, restaurants and bars, I think. Uh, some of them are operating under a smaller, I guess if you, you know, a smaller fire code, so to speak. They're, they're, they're cutting the their... Uh, admission or however many people can be in a building down. But my dad went out for breakfast the other day. So, but he lives in, like, I live in one of Iowa's higher populated counties. So we're still under lockdown, like no restaurants, but I think May 17th, that's going to be lifted. So we're going to be back at it again here soon. It's going to be it's just so weird how normal things now feel so strange. Like just going to yeah. the grocery store. Every time yeah. I go to the grocery store, I feel like I'm in a, like a movie. It's just so yeah. weird seeing just, I don't know. Yeah. Life is weird it's, right now. It's weird because here's one thing that I've noticed. I used to go to the grocery store or go out in public. I would smile and say hi to people. I find myself even walking around with my head down. And just like, don't avoid, like avoid, avoid, yeah. avoid, don't talk, don't, you know, don't, I'm not afraid of going out into public. I'm just afraid of interacting with people. Yeah. And whether that's through conversation or touch, I'm just like, I don't, I don't say hi to people anymore. I don't smile at people anymore, which sounds rude, but everybody else is doing the same thing. Yeah. Very true. It's just a very strange social dynamic and kind of this like underlying sense of, unease. I don't know. I'm, I'm just very, I just, <laughs> I find myself over and over like so many times I'll just look at my, look at Kylie and be like, I hate this. Like, I just hate this thing. Like worrying about 
I don't know, our groceries or something, or do we, do we need to worry about this? Do we not need to worry about this or worry about like, when can we see the grandparents again? When should we, when should we not? Or, you know, is it okay to still go turkey hunting and be six feet away from someone? Is that okay? Um, like all these things now that we have to think about. Um, and I, I realize it's, it's a luxury to complain about it because I'm, I'm healthy and we're not dealing yeah. with the serious, serious ramifications. So I don't want to come off as if I'm, you know, complaining too much, but yeah, there's silver, there's a silver lining Mark, which is, which is that in the grand scheme of things. Now here is what I've read. Okay. According to some source, I, I don't need, I, I don't even know where I read it at, but hunting and fishing license are up nearly 3 million people so far in 2019 or excuse me, 2020. So that's very interesting. I have seen different state, uh, I've seen different state updates mentioning that their sales are way up. Yep. And so I think that's awesome. But I wonder, yeah, I, I wonder, is this just because of the same thing that I did, which was early this in the spring when the lockdown stuff first started, some states started saying, hey, you know what? We're shutting down our non-resident hunting seasons. We're shutting down this hunting season. Um, if you already bought a license, you can still go, but no new licenses are being sold. So right. that happened in a bunch of states. And so as soon as I found that out, I was like, well, I better snatch up a license. So I bought a deer tag in one of the out-of-state places I wanted to go right away, even though I wouldn't have bought it probably until right. August. Instead, I bought it in April just to make sure I could still get one. Um, do you think maybe that's part of it? Yeah, I I think there's going to be some there's going to be some new people, right? Like, oh man, I can't do anything, might as well do what I used to do and go fishing, right? Or or things like that. But I have a feeling that people are probably just doing what you did and buying earlier. So we'll have to check back on this at the end of the year to see if there was actually a 3 million person increase in uh hunting and fishing licenses as opposed to people just deciding, "Hey, well, I can't I can't go hunting now, but I can go fishing. So I'm going to buy my, you know, I'm going to buy my combo tag or I'm going to buy my hunting license like four months earlier than I normally do. Yeah. But hey, if even, you know, a hundred thousand of those are new people, that's, that's great. Take them. Heck yeah. We'll take them. That is, that is a great silver lining. It is a, one of those times I find myself often being like, man, it's a good time to be a hunter. Glad that I've right. got a full freezer. Glad that, right. uh, as things get increasingly different we're at least set on that front. So mm -hmm. yeah, man, um, strange, strange times. But, uh, what I, what I thought we could do today is, is, is socialize, simply socialize, socialize, simply socialize, Dan, because that's something I don't get to do anymore. We don't get to do it anymore. <laughs> so Sitting down for coffee and talking to your buddy isn't a thing anybody's doing right now, or at least most people aren't doing right now, or sitting right. down and drinking a beer on a Friday afternoon together and talking and catching up on what we've been doing. That's like really unique right now. Um, so <laughs> let's socialize. Let's socialize. And do that and catch up on what is going on with Dan Johnson and Mark Kenyon and our, our outdoor worlds. Um, because there's turkey hunting to discuss, there's mushroom hunting to discuss, there's back 40 stuff, there's fishing to discuss. I've got some outdoor kid questions to discuss. Um, 
And then a few listener questions too that I've got here that we could touch on if we have time too. Um, but yeah, I think we just need like a laid back, catch up, socialize with all our friends out there, you, me, and the rest of the listeners. Yeah. Well, I'm down. I'm down for that. You know, we're, we're pretty good at bullshitting. I, um, but if you're looking for me to kick this off, I, I'm going to tell you something that I'm pretty excited about that I also did today. Oh yeah. And it, I started, it, this is crazy, but I actually started preparing for my 2021 season. Wow. Yeah. That's quite, yep. the, quite the proactive approach. Yep. So do you want me to fill you in on kind of what, what I've been doing for that? No, I'd rather you just, let's table that one till 2021. <laughs> <laughs> no, yes. Tell me, tell I'm me. I'm done asking questions. I'm just going to start talking. <laughs> tell me more. Tell me more. So <laughs> as you know, um, I think we've talked about this before, but I have a pretty decent collection of preference points for Wyoming for antelope, for elk, and then I have um, some some deer points as well. But I'm thinking that uh, my plan is I turn 40 in November, which means that next September I will be 40 and going on an elk hunt in Wyoming. My my plan is for 2020, uh, 2021 to cash in my uh, some of my preference points. So I'm going to be sitting with about seven preference points, and that should get me a really good unit in uh, – in Wyoming. And, uh, so today I bought a, uh, have you ever heard of go hunt? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I bought a membership to go hunt and I started the research pro- uh, process. Nice. Uh, what units I can get with seven points, what the draw odds are, what, you know, all that stuff started looking at, uh, not necessarily maps yet, just the data behind specific units. Um, and I did that for a little bit for antelope and a little bit for deer, but mostly for, for elk units. And, uh, I think based, you know, in a very short period of time, I was able to whittle down to a, you know, to maybe four units or five units that I can start doing more research into like access and, and taking a look at, on maps and stuff. So, um, I've started that process and it's kind of exciting. Oh, dude, the dreaming, the dreaming and the anticipation, that is such, such a good part of it. Um, what part, I know you don't want to give away too much details, but what part of the state are you, are most of these in any one given part of the state that you're looking at or is it kind of spread all over? So we're going to be in North Central or Northwestern, like Southeast of Yellowstone. Nice. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Dude, so, that that area is incredible. It's a little sketchy though. Oh yeah, because you got and the the grizz. Of, yeah, a couple of them, uh, and it, in there they say this is a grizzly bear unit. So plan accordingly. So I don't know if I am ready to do a grizzly bear hunt by myself. I would definitely go with someone who has more experience and more seasons with grizzly bears under their belt, but. If it's just me and another rookie, you know, uh, uh, and what I mean by that is a uh, hunting with grizzly bears rookie, then I probably won't select that that unit just for that pure. Yeah, the, it just throws a whole different element into everything. Oh, it definitely does. Definitely does. My, uh, um, I just bought an elk tag for this fall um, in Idaho again, 
and I'm in a grizzly unit for the first time. And so I'll be, I'll definitely be thinking about that a little bit more, but, uh, but yeah, it's the one, the downside is of course, you have to be very, very careful in a lot of ways. Uh, the upside is that a lot of people think what you just thought there. And so don't choose that unit. Yeah. So you get slightly less pressured animals, more opportunity, that kind of thing. Um, Mm -hmm. but that, that Southeast area of Yellowstone is stunning country. Yeah. I mean, just as far as like landscape, I've I've done some backpacking and hiking in there. It is some of the coolest country in the world. It is so cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. And while I'm out there, you know, like, so this this whole this whole plan, right, is for my 40th year to be this epic year full of hunting, where I'm gonna probably try to fit in another Western hunt out there as well. I'm, I'm probably gonna do my South Dakota hunt. That'll happen in October. I might try to do, you know, I'll do an elk hunt in September and then I'm going to probably, I might try to do an antelope archery hunt early September or late August even. So if I can spread it out evenly, I can make my, my footprint away from home seem less, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but like, it just won't seem like I'm gone. Yeah. Not as impactful. Yeah. Not as impactful. Right. So yeah, um, man, I, I do that whole thing. That's amazing. I I'm curious about one thing. Did you do you know this? I I can't remember off the top of my head. What's Wyoming's uh, party application deal? Do they allow party applications? Do you, I'm, you know? I think they might. You know, I think they might. I I didn't look into any of that yet. Um, but yeah, I'm. Tr- I don't think they did. I I I don't know. I I, I don't. I can't say for certain. So I, I ask because I'm not gonna I'm not gonna invite myself on your trip. I don't want to do that to you. But if you need yeah. another guy, and I know we've exchanged a few texts, like very yep. high level on this. But uh, but the Wyoming elk thing is is high on my list of of hunts I want to do. So if how you many end points up, do you have? See, that's the thing is I think I only have three. You only have three? Yeah. So the question you started is, applying before me. Or I, did you like forget a couple of days? I, I forget. A couple years. I forgot some years. Yeah, and so that's the problem. So yeah. if the party application, if 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 you ended up needing me, um, wanting me to come along, if it worked out, the party thing would be the question. Would be is if we apply as a party, would that default to the highest point owner or the lowest point owner? Because I wouldn't yeah. want to hurt your chances, but if right. it would help my chances and not hurt yours, that'd be a good thing. So I don't, I don't know how right. it works. I can't remember. Yeah, um, definitely uh, something to look into. I look at look at us. Look at us, Mark. We're making, we're, dude. That's we're socializing and making plans. Socializing and making plans. That's you know that's the thing that you miss out on when you can't sit and have a beer or coffee with your buddies because these things just don't come up when you're off running around doing your life. It's hard to like just talk through stuff. But you finally get on the phone, or you finally sit down, and you're talking and thinking, like, oh, we should do that. Um, yeah, God, I'm, I feel like such a little child that's been locked in my room all day. Like, I feel like I've been grounded for months and I just want to go out and play. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Um, so then let's say this all works out, right? I got a buddy who lives in Colorado who told me he will literally come up and call for us. And that's all he'll do is he'll be a, a he'll pack it, he'll pack out and he'll call for us. Got the pros. He won't even hunt. Yeah. That's so, awesome. Yeah. There you go. Uh, the uh, the Wyoming uh, the Wyoming elk is 
is a trip of a lifetime for a lot of people. That'd be pretty awesome. Um, what? So, so that's 2021 is the elk, the antelope, and the mule deer. And then this year, you're still doing Michigan whitetail. Have, have, are all your plans still sounding like they're going to be staying the same, or has this uh, COVID stuff changed The only thing things? that will change is, okay, so I was going to do, um, I think I told you this, my buddy from uh, – uh, New York. Yeah. He, he came last year with me to, on the South Dakota mule deer hunt. He wasn't going to come this year. They had to change some Montana elk hunt plans to next year. So he's gonna, he's probably not going on his, as Montana hunt. So he's going to come with me. He's already purchased his license and got the, the tag and everything for the South Dakota hunt again. So I don't know what we're going to be shifting. If we're going to push, if we're going to push it back another week, our, our uh, South Dakota elk or a uh, mule deer hunt back a week, or if I'm going to just flip and go mule deer hunting opening, the, you know, right away, October 1st, and then just come up mid to late October for my Michigan hunt. Gotcha. So I'm still planning on do it. I just have, it's just, it's just a matter of scheduling it right now. Okay. All right. As long as, as long as it's scheduling and not shifting entirely to new years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I uh, I'll probably get a death threat if I back out of Michigan this year. Dude, that's the best thing about getting someone to commit to something on air on the podcast. Yeah. You really liked yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, um, <sighs> that's uh, that's exciting stuff. So, what about the turkey? So, oh, what were you gonna say? Yeah, I was gonna say. So, you bought your Idaho um, your uh, a tag for Idaho already for elk. Yes, yeah, so I year. bought an Idaho whitetail and Idaho elk tag for this year. So that's oh nice. That's new for me. I've never whitetail hunted in Idaho, so I'm gonna do that for the first time. Um, because I couldn't, I drew, I, I applied for a Montana whitetail tag, and I didn't draw for the second year in a row. Oh wow! Uh, so that was surprising and disappointing. So I thought I'll try somewhere different. Idaho. We're gonna give that a shot. So, nice. yeah, I'm excited about that. In a new elk unit, I'm going to try somewhere different than when where you and I went. Um, gotcha. So excited to check out a new area. I was t- I was talking to a buddy who um, he hunts eastern, uh, you know, in that quote unquote grizzly zone of Idaho, and he said that the unit that we hunted is now considered grizzly bear territory. They've expanded into that unit. Yeah, I've 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 thought and wondered that they. Either were there in really light numbers, it would be at any any time now because it's right there. You know, it's close. There's there's a, a small highway kind of that separate separates that mountain range from another mountain range that's obviously grizzly territory. So yeah, yeah. gorgeous country, but they're in there. Yeah, man. yeah. Uh, but yeah, so western. I'll get my western hunt in September, and then October a bunch of Michigan stuff. November, a bunch of Michigan stuff. December, maybe do New York. Um, but who knows? I don't know. I sure hope that all this stuff doesn't impact things in the fall again. Yeah. I I can't see it. I can't see it. I mean, number one, hunting – the only w- way I can see this affecting fall is th- big, giant groups of people doing something, right? Whether you're an outfitter. And you have a, a lodge where, you know, everybody gathers around, right? That may be an issue. But I, I don't see hunting, like me wanting to go out of state and 
camp out of the back of my truck as a problem. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's about as socially distanced and safe as you can get it. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. I hate keeping on bringing that up, but it's one of those things that keeps on like, it's now this weird filter they have to look at everything through. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. That's what I say. I'll just cross that bridge when I get to it. And um, if not, I guess I'll just, uh, I don't know, do more fishing. <laughs> <laughs> hey, speaking of fishing, speaking of fishing, yeah. I took Everett out, bought him his first fishing pole this past weekend yeah, and buddy. took him out and he caught his first fish. Wow. It's very cool. Very cool. He got a kick out of it. He was, you know, he doesn't really, I mean, he, he really, he got a kick out of it, but he'd be reeling in and then he'd stop and just be like pointing at it. I'm like, reel it in, reel it in, reel it in. And then he kind of reel for yeah. a while and then he kind of look at daddy and he'd be like, daddy do. And I'm like, no, you got to do it. So there's, yep. there's yep. some of that figuring out stuff. I mean, he's only two, but, uh, but he reeled in. I think we got like, I don't know, six or seven probably. And he reeled in a few of them. And was touching them. He wanted to kiss one, and uh, <laughs> all that good stuff. So it was a, uh, it was cool. It was a great milestone for us. Oh, I awesome, can't man. beat it. I can remember uh, my daughter's first fish. Now, of course, I had to cast it for her, but she was able to reel it in when the bobber went under. And oh man, that was the smile on her face. And I have a picture of it. Is something? And it's it's framed around here somewhere. I haven't hung it up yet, but it is, it is, it's one of those moments where, you know, that as a father, you've done something right yeah. and, and you've made her happy through something that you love to do too. And I got, I, I, I was so jacked. I was like, it was almost like if she would have shot her first deer. Right. Right. So if I'm acting like that with a bluegill and what is going to happen when she actually shoots her first deer i'll probably pass out well you know what's funny is the the one not the one cool thing but one of the cool things about doing this stuff with little kids is it re-excites you about simple things that didn't used to be exciting so i I, little like catching bluegills two years ago would not have been high on my list but right now that sounds like a hell of a good time for this weekend <laughs> it's yeah. so much fun because because everett is getting such a blast out of it or yep. just walking around and picking up turkey feathers doesn't sound like a whole lot of fun but right now everett would geek out or he literally he's his new thing last week he's so into turkeys right now i took out my turkey decoys and put them out in the yard and then had him come walk out and he just freaked out when he saw the turkeys all over and then when he realized he could carry them around, then it was just all done. So he wanted to carry his turkey everywhere he went all day. He brought the turkey to dinner, and <laughs> I don't know. I, I probably made a mistake in letting him bring the turkey to dinner, but he brought the turkey decoy and put it in a chair next to him and fed the turkey decoy while we were eating. <laughs> but then when I finally had to take it away, I was like, I'm not going to let him sleep with it. I, I didn't clean it off all that well, so I started thinking, gosh, maybe I didn't, maybe I should have checked in the nooks and crannies and make sure there wasn't something in there because it was sitting outside. Um so I was like, ah, we better take this away. And then when I did that, of course, epic meltdown because I took yep. away his turkey. Yep. Um, I'm constantly <laughs> making the mistake of giving him things that I shouldn't have and then having to take them away. Uh, that's but, parenting, though. Yeah. That's, that's being a dad. Yeah. But, yeah, man, it's just like going for walks in the woods are such a huge deal right now. He gets All he wants to do is go for a walk, go for a walk, go for a walk. And then we get out there. He's got to have his turkey calls. He's just so he's like, turkey call, turkey call, dada, turkey call. And I get him his turkey calls. And then he just wants to walk through the fields, clucking away on his slate call. 
and, and that's that's a great day for him, and that's that's a great day for me right now. So, I, I definitely know what I'm getting my youngest son for uh, Christmas this year, and that is I'm going to go out to a gravel road. I'm going to get a five gallon bucket, and I'm just going to fill it with gravel, and then I'm going to take him to any body of water, a creek or a river or a lake and let him throw rocks and watch the splash. The the kid just takes a rock. He'll throw it. He'll watch the splash and then he'll go. (laughs) That's that's what he loves to do. And I'm just like, you know what? I wish life was literally that simple. I know. Right. (laughs) Just getting a kick out of throwing rocks, man. Oh, it's a good, I guess those, those kids are good for us in that kind of way. Right. Right. Simple things, yeah. And that was funny. At the end of our fishing trip last week, and same thing. I was trying to catch more fish, and Everett started going to rocks and just started throwing rocks. So every time I was, oh, there's, there's some bluegill right there, there's some fish, and then he'd chuck a rock at it. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, so turkeys, fish. Have you been turkey hunting? Been, I've been, what, four four times? How's it four going? Four times. That was it. First day I brought my daughter, we were out by 7.30 in the morning, and then we drove around and did some cool things. Uh, the next morning, I went out by myself. Uh, they were gobbling in the trees, and then the second they hit the ground, they were done. And then my wife called and says, Mac wants to come out. So I went, came back into town, picked him up, uh, and then we just walked around public land, and I handed him the slate call and just said, okay, buddy. Here you go. Try to make some noise. Yep. And, uh, you know, I didn't even bring my bow with me. I, I just, we just kind of walked around that lasted for a little bit until the snacks were done. And then the, that following weekend I went out, uh, same scenario, dude, they were gobbling in the trees and then they'd hit the ground to go quiet. And then the next time I didn't even hear a gobble. In the entire morning, I walked around. You know, I went on uh, some public ground. I stopped at a couple uh, parking lots because there was guys coming out of the timber, and I was talking to them a little bit just to see, you know, are you hearing anything? They're like, no, man, it's been a kind of a weird year. And whether it's low numbers or maybe the weather, I don't know, but it's just they're not going bananas like they usually do. Has it been just cold and wet and cruddy by you guys too? You know. Lower temperatures than normal, but not so low. I mean, we had one day where it snowed, right? But other than that, and and tonight is supposed to be low in the 20s. But other than that, I don't feel like it's been a a crazy cool. It it hasn't been hot by any means, but it hasn't been crazy cool. Hmm. I feel like this has been one of the just lousiest spring weather periods we've had here in Michigan in a lot of years. Just we've had one nice day that I was out in shirt sleeves or short, short sleeves all spring that I can think of maybe two. Um, and it's freaking halfway through May almost. Yeah. It's killing me. I feel like I live in Canada or Alaska or something. Right. So I'm, I'm, I don't, I'm going to go out and give her another shot this, this weekend. Um, I think, uh, tomorrow or yeah, today's Saturday or Friday. So tomorrow morning, I'm going to try to go out and uh, get her done. But man, I'm not, you know, I, I I bought my bow tag because the shot, there's four shotgun seasons in Iowa. And I brought my bow tag because I didn't know when I was going to be able to get out. 
So I might as well use a weapon that I can hunt more days. Right. Right. So I brought my, bought my bow tag and, you know, obviously I would have changed, you know, it would, it kind of limits me from going crazy running gun style. Like I would, if I had a shotgun, but, um, they just, they didn't come to the decoys. They're, they're quiet. And then, I don't know. I made the decision instead of going after them to just kind of go back home and do other things. Have you done, have you bow hunted for turkeys other years or is it usually shotgun? Most of the time it's shotgun only because we have our turkey camp every year and we do it the second season in Iowa and it's a four or five day, it's a five day window. So we do it because, you know, it allows us to be more mobile. Yeah. Definitely helps. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. How about you? What have you even been out? So, so I went for my first hunt today, actually. I so today was the first real hunt I have gotten out, but just without a weapon. Um, cause what we're trying to do is we're trying to film a turkey hunt in the back 40, um, for the show, but we haven't been able to do that because of all the regulations. So we just were able to get clearance to do it. As long as it's socially distanced properly and just do everything by the book, um, we got the green light. So we went out finally today with a gun for the first time and, uh, you know, had one, got one strutting around, gobbling a little bit. It was really windy, so he couldn't hear much. Um, but he was on one side of a hill and just would not come the rest of the way. So he probably got him within 50, 60 yards, but could never, could never. Did you see him? Yeah, I could see him. Um, but basically the only thing I could do was work out into a wide open field. I had a property line on one side of me. The woods was the property line field was out to this. So all my stuff was open field and I was just kind of stuck. Um, so we gave it a shot. I kept on trying to belly crawl closer and closer and shut up for a long time and then give it to him real hard and different types of things like that. And at one point I mean, he came like at one point I thought it was going to happen. Like he shut up. There's nothing, and then I kept peeking over, and then he was couldn't see anything. All of a sudden, there was his back, and he was slowly his head was down. He was pecking and walking towards us, and uh, all right, this is happening. I got set up, and then he was gone. He disappeared. So either he saw me when I was peeking at him, and I didn't realize it, or he had just finally got bored and hopped into the timber next to us and disappeared. I don't know. Yeah, but but you know, it's funny. I've had a bunch of action when I wasn't trying to shoot him. I had, I've gotten a number of dirt turkeys within range when I wasn't actually yeah. hunting. So that's how it goes. Um, you all right there, Chief? Oh, yeah. yeah I'm sorry. <laughs> I thought I shut my volume off. No. <laughs> to cough. No, you're good. Oops. It's funny. Sorry. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> it's funny. Uh, Spencer, I did a podcast with Spencer a few weeks ago, and he had a frog in his throat the whole time. And so he coughed a lot during the episode, but he tried to do what you just tried to do. So he tried to shut off his mic every time he had to cough, but it was happening in the middle of him talking. So he would be like in the middle of a sentence and then he would just stop talking. 
And then I would think his phrase, I thought he ended his phrase. So I would start talking as if like, you know, to jump in on the conversation, like ask him another question. And then he would unmute and be like, oh, no, no, sorry. I just had to cough. And then he'd try to get back into it. And so throughout the whole rest of the conversation that was going on, and I never knew, like, am I supposed to talk now or is he just coughing? And it was the most awkward thing because of that throughout the whole thing. We were either talking over each other or both of us not talking because we were waiting for the other person. It was fun. Now, a lot of you guys are familiar with the old hunting tradition of eating, you know, some organ, the heart or a chunk of liver off the first animal you kill. I had that when I was a little kid and it was a big deal. Organ meats were always prized by frontier people who knew the importance of getting a lot of different minerals and nutrients. And as often is the case, those guys were on to something because organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. And you can get the same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from heart and soil made exclusively from regeneratively raised, grass-fed, and finished cattle. Heart and soil's unique freeze-drying process means all those important nutrients are trapped in ensuring you experience every one of the benefits of nature's superfood in a clean, convenient, taste-free capsule. Find out more at heartandsoil.co and make sure to use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. That's heartandsoil.co. Use the code MEATEATER. We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go, but here's one product that stood the test of time, Seafoam Motor Treatment. Lots of hunters and anglers know that seafoam helps engines run better and last longer. And it's really simple. When you pour it into your gas tank, seafoam cleans harmful fuel deposits that cause engine problems. I'm talking common stuff like hard starts, rough engine performance, or lost fuel economy. Seafoam is an easy way to prevent or overcome these problems. Just pour a can into your gas tank and let it do its job. Now you probably know someone who's used a can of seafoam to get their truck or boat going again. Because people everywhere rely on it to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way they should the entire season. So, help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. I think I was talking about the turkeys. I called in eight jakes that came walking. I was like on the ground. I had eight jakes walk within like four feet of me. That was really cool. Um called in one gobbler I could have shot that same day uh, had another one come in that was probably right in the edge of my range if I wanted to shoot so there's been a lot of gobbling I've been getting out a lot of mornings and other days I've gone out with Everett late morning just take him out there and we would just try to call one in just to have him hear some gobbling and he loves that I had birds coming in and every time they see him moving around and spook so that's been uh, <laughs> something we're have to address once he actually starts hunting. Um, but I've been hearing a lot of gobbling. I go on these, you know, my morning runs and hearing tons of them gobbling on the roost, of course. So no shortage of hearing them. But like you said, hearing them and shooting them is a two different things. Yeah. Are, are you, do you get frustrated when it comes to turkey, I mean, the same amount of frustration as whitetails? Oh, no. Way oh, different. Okay. It's so yeah. much lower stakes, I feel. Yeah. It, yeah. I'm like, hey, you know, it's fun. We gave it a shot. Didn't come together. Oh, well. We'll, we'll try again yeah. another time. Yeah. Um, it's the same way with me. I'm just like, 
Uh, I'm going to go home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Today was like we hunted till, I don't know, 10.30 or 11. And I thought we could keep hunting, but let's let's just go back. I'll see the kids, help them with lunch, get back to work, do some things. And there's something nice about that, just that different sense of – and I know we've talked about this in the past. It's nice to have that different feel. Because whitetail, at least for me, and I think for you most of the time too, it's it's so intense. We're really yeah. trying to be so buttoned up in our approach and what we're doing that that when it comes to turkeys, you can relax a little. But the bummer, and I hate to go back to this, but the bummer is that usually turkey hunting is so much fun because the social aspect too. Oh yeah, right. Going out yep. with buddies, turkey camp. We we have a turkey camp here usually in the spring, and my local buddies and stuff will get together, and all that had to be canceled and. Just not the same. Not Man. the same. So is there a law? Because you mentioned something about filming. Like is like social distancing, right? Is there a guy ru- walking around with a ruler saying, uh-oh, you're not six feet apart. <laughs> now I got to write you a fine. Like you mentioned something about having to film and making sure that you could do it and get approval for it or whatever you said. And now because you can, now you can film. Right. So I don't know. We just had to make sure we're all buttoned up as far as the guidelines. And, you know, in Michigan, it's all, you know, non-essential workers aren't supposed to be going and doing things. Non-essential travel isn't supposed to happen. Hunting is okay. Um, Certain applications are okay. But the question was, can we film doing some of these things? So we had to go through a bunch of legal, not legal, but, uh, you know, just make sure we're doing it by the book, checking off with the authorities just to make sure that we're we're uh doing the way we're supposed to be doing it. Yeah. Huh. So there you go. Yeah. New world. New world we yep, live in. Yep. 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 Uh, but you went, out, yeah. you went out mushroom hunting too, right? Yeah. Trying to do some mushroom hunting. Um I don't know what I'm doing. I've never really taken mushroom hunting seriously, but this year I'm trying to. So last weekend I didn't I went and walked around a bunch and hit some spots that I thought looked good under dead trees and everything and found nothing. So went out again and looked just a little bit last night and found one and then did some more looking today and found none. So I don't know if it's still too early here because the cold weather or what, but I'm, I'm striking out pretty bad so far. Yeah. You, you seem to do well. Yeah. I mean, I I went out and I found enough for the whole family to eat off a batch. I think I found 15 of them. 20 of them, which, you know, cut them in half. And now you, you double that for a little appetizer or part of your meal. So we had, uh, steaks and we had, no, we had, we had grilled chicken and fried mushrooms. And then I went out yesterday and found three. So I don't know. I, I'm, I don't do it. Like there are people out on this public land where I've watched a guy have a Yeti cooler full of mushrooms. Like this is, this must be what this guy does wow. is he has, he has all the places picked out. He's been doing it for years. I remember walking up to him one time and I was just like, Hey man, um, uh, mushrooms out yet. And he's like, like, he looked at me kind of funny. Like, what are you trying to get out of me? I'm not going <laughs> to tell you shit. Like stay away from me. Yeah. And, uh, he's like, and I didn't notice it when I was talking to him. And, uh, I, I said, uh, 
yeah, I got a spot over here. I, I found a couple, but you know, I'm just basically trying to talk to him. He goes, yeah, okay. All right. Yep. Yep. Like not giving me any information really <laughs> not, t- not really talking to me. Like he's just suspicious. So why is this guy talking to yeah. me? Like, I think he felt like I was trying to get something. Anyway, I turn around to walk back to my truck and I look in the back of his truck and he's got three coolers. One so full of mushrooms that he can't even shut the lid on it. Oh my gosh. And yeah. And then there's two other ones in there. So I, I didn't know if he had them full or not, but this dude was slaying the mushrooms and, uh, he, I don't know. I mean, that's a lot of mushrooms. I'm sure he was selling them, you know, selling some of them right. because I got a dude couldn't eat that many mushrooms. <laughs> you probably uh, packed in a pretty nice, uh, haul of cash after that. Yeah. But I think a morel mushroom, you can get $22 a pound. Yeah. I've, I've, I've as I understand it, you know, varies based off demand at the yeah. time of supply or whatever. But, uh, yeah, sounds like you can do pretty good if it's the right time of year or whatever. Mm-hmm. What have, uh, what were the spots that you've been finding them so far this year? So coming off egg fields, um, you know, like if, if a low spot continues into an ag field and then it hits the timber line and then that low spot continues into the timber line, the soil's always more moist in there and it always seems to be thicker because, uh, fertilizer drain off and, uh, you know, obviously the first 10 yards of any field edge is going to be thicker regardless, you know, just because of, you know, the sun hitting that field edge. So, you know, it's going to be thick in there. So, and, and what makes this specific spot so good is not only does it have that, uh, that moisture content in the soil, but it also has like five gigantic trees that are in the process of dying and, and they're big old and a lot of the branches have fallen off of them. So it's just like, it's a wreck on the floor and that's where they're, you know, the pheasant backs are growing in there. The morels are growing in there, and that's where I find them. Yeah, I saw you cooking up some pheasant backs the other day, and yeah. I had just seen a couple of those in the woods when I was looking for morels. And I thought to myself, is that one of these pheasant backs? And I wasn't sure. Yep. Um, and then I saw your Instagram story. Those taste pretty good. Yeah, so the bigger they are, the tougher they get. So what I do is if, if, you, make a, if you make a circle with your – Let's just say your middle finger and your thumb, that size of the mushroom may be the size of a baseball. Let's just say the size of the baseball are the best. You cut the stems off and then you got to, it gets from the, it's a shelf mushroom, right? So from the tip all the way to the back and then maybe like one third of the the way back, you cut that off too where it connects to the stem. So then you basically have this C shape or a half circle shape. And that is what I cube up and eat because if you, the further back from the edge you get, the tougher it gets. But if you, if you ride that first third, if I'm making sense here, I think so. That that first two thirds from the tip in, then that's when they're chewy and you cook them and they're good, man. I, I, I chop mine up with some onions and, and, uh, you know, sauteed it, sauteed them with onions and pheasant backs and, um, made an omelet out of it. That's, that's my go-to with those things. They, I tell you what, if you do it right, it'd even be good with like butter and garlic pasta. It would be good with, um, if you had enough of them, maybe put them on a hamburger with, you know, some kind of uh, cheese or something. I don't know, maybe not cheese, but like, uh, some type of chutney, if that makes sense, hmm. you could make a, it, I think it would be really good. 
Yeah, I need to um, I need to go and try to see if those are still out and if they're decent size or not. The ones that I saw the other day, because yeah, because now that I know what they are, I'm intrigued. Yeah, I tell you one one thing that I've really been interested in lately, not necessarily just mushrooms, but other plants and animals that you can eat in in the forest. Such as like what? Oh, like different different plants. Uh, Dandelions are the first thing that come to mind. Right. You can eat dandelion leaves like lettuce. I mean, the shit they sell them in the store. Right. But you can go out and get them online there's certain types of parsnip that you can eat so it's just it's something to do you know like i love shed hunting i love mushroom hunting and what are those two things have in common you're looking for something right so i want to look for other food sources in you know in the woods yeah well i feel like right now there's a lot of people thinking the same thing i mean that's why i thought to take up mushroom hunting this spring because yeah. I need something to do and finding food out there. I mean, like you just said, it's a natural next step. Uh, it's funny you bring that up though, because I saw someone, I can't remember who it was. Someone I know on Facebook had gone and found a bunch of dandelions and deep fried them. Have you ever seen that? Uh uh-uh. So literally it was like taking a mushroom, putting it in batter and drop it in the fryer, except for he did that with dandelions. Like the the yellow part of yeah, the, the, the flower, the flower, okay. <laughs> dandelion flower, dipped in breading, dropped into a fryer, <laughs> and then plucked out. I have no idea what that tastes like, uh, but it was a. It seemed kind of bizarre to me. Did that person say it was good? You know, I don't, I don't, I don't remember. To tell you the truth, I'm yeah. trying to think about like what the caption was. I don't even know if I read the caption. I think I was just like, so <laughs> taken back by the picture and like. Really? They did that? <laughs> that uh, I don't even know. I guess I should go back and try to find that and see. Yeah. I don't know. I uh, <laughs> It'd be funny if the caption was just like, I wonder if any suckers try this. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, in, in states like ours, Michigan and Iowa, you, you drop anything in a deep fryer, it's good to go. Brown, like oh, yeah. brown food, right? <laughs> right. That's what right. I've heard. That's uh, the Midwest. You know, you asked me the other day, I think it was what Michigan's food, like special food tradition is. And I think it's probably, probably that brown food. Just, just, just fried it up. Anything fried. Yeah. Someone reached out to me and said that smoked fish was another one that uh, is a Michigan food that is a good tradition, which I, which I can agree with that. There's a lot of smoked fish out here. Is, uh, let's see, is Iowa, see Iowa, I mean, there's, there's a whole bunch of different, uh, I guess, uh, cultures that have come to the United States and settled, you know, like certain parts of Wisconsin have like a huge Polish, you know, uh, community. Right. And therefore that's why they have a lot of smoked meats, right? They yep. like a sauce, sausages and stuff like that. Now, Iowa is Norwegian. There's a lot of Norwegian and a lot of German in Iowa. And I'm sure that's all over the place, you know, in the United States, but you know, in the church, I, I grew up in, it was a huge Norwegian and Swedish, uh, church. So the culture was, uh, so they had a, at every potluck, they would have lutefisk and that's like pickled herring or something like that. Pickled herring. No, it was pickled herring and lutefisk are these two meals that they always had at this. And, uh, I was never brave enough to try the, the lutefisk, but I think, I don't think they're the same thing. But the pickled herring, I I tried and I did not like. 
Yeah, what does that taste like? Like, I don't know, just like sour fish. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, how do you describe it's been, it? It's been a while. It's been a while. It's just I describe it as not being good to eat. That's all I need to know. I'm not yeah. going to try. <laughs> but yeah. Some people love it. I know. Some people love it like potato chips. I've never. I've not been big into like the pickled meats, pickled stuff, like pickled pickled sausages and stuff. You see people like sometimes get at gas stations. Just not. So I got to share. I got to share a college st- story with you. So, <laughs> oh, so gosh. there there was we'd go to this bar called Suds in Cedar Falls, Iowa. It's on the it, on the college hill, right? Every every bigger college has an area where there's it's just like a higher concentration of bars, right? And one of my buddies, like he would always get, he would always drink a little bit more than he needed to every night. And at the end of the night, we're just like, we would just convince him to eat uh, a hard boiled pickled egg with hot sauce on it. And every time we did that, he would give in. And then every time he would puke oh, his guts out after each time. Oh, that sounds disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like, I like myself some pickled eggs when the time is right, but I'm, I don't think I'm going to do it after I chug a, you know, 16 beers. Okay. But what, when is the time right for a pickled egg? Mm, I'm going to say maybe beer number three. Okay. <laughs> so it's maybe not the first beer, right? You, you, you want to, you want to enjoy your first beer, not the second beer because I don't, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'm not quite ready yet. And I think that the third beer is like the perfect time. It's just like, you know what? I'm feeling, feeling good now, feeling a little relaxed. My muscles aren't tight anymore. My, my knees are bending properly. I think I'm going to have a pickled egg with a little hot sauce on it and, that's, and maybe some salt, salt and pepper on it. And then you, there you go. I, I've never been there. I've never, I've never been to that moment on my third beer, but I'm going to take your word for it. <laughs> Which, what is your beer drinking snack? You're not eating a meal, right? Maybe, maybe you've had lunch and you're hanging with the boys and it's time, you know, you're cracking your beers. You start, you know, you're sitting around a fire or you get back from a hunt and you're, it's not time to eat yet, but you're just starting to, starting to get into the beers. What's your snack? What, what is your beer drinking snack? It's been too long since I've had like sitting with the boys drinking beers kind of time to tell you, but um, <laughs> I'm trying to think back here. I'd probably say like uh, I could throw down some like chips. Give me some chips and yeah. dip. Uh, if there's anything that you could dip a chip into, I will hammer that. Give me uh, yeah. like a buffalo chicken dip or a chili cheese oh, dip. Yeah. Uh, or you know, I'm a sucker for spinach artichoke dip too. I'm not too. Yeah. That's not too fancy for me. Um, no. yeah. Or salsa. I mean, any, anything salsa. I love a dip. Yeah. I love a dip and a chip. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a nachos guy. I love I like, nachos. I like, me, <laughs> I like me some nachos and it depends if you consider nachos a main course. I, I personally don't consider nachos a main course, but I have friends who would debate me otherwise. This is, this has gotta be our most pointless rambling <laughs> episode we've ever done. And I don't know what. <laughs> What do you like nachos better? Or do you like chips and dip? Hey, you, I thought you said we were socializing. We are socializing. This is this is great for you and me. I just don't know if anyone else is listening. Does it matter? You know what? Hey, I tell you what, you got to you got to just relax and go with the flow. Okay, and just shake yeah, it off. You're right. 
You're right. I mean, what, what, it, what's going to happen? Mediator Inc is going to call you in for a meeting and say, all right, we've been reviewing your content, Mr. Kenyon. And it <laughs> looks like you need to do less talking about nachos and more talking about deer hunting strategy during the rut, because that's where the ratings are at. Dude, when you see a phone call from me coming tomorrow <laughs> or next week, you'll know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> right. Hey, Dan, you got time to do a rut hunting strategy in May? <laughs> oh, man. That's funny. Yeah, dude. You, you, it's right. You're right. You're right. It, I need to relax. It's okay. There's uh, there's probably plenty of other people that just need to socialize too. So Right. How long have we, how long have we been recording right now? 51 minutes. 51 minutes. Do you think if we call Furter, he'll answer? Uh, he would, but I don't think I know how to patch him in here. I mean, I could put him okay. on speakerphone. Oh, you're saying like over Skype? Yeah, over Skype. Call think, him up and ask. Just ask him what he's doing, because that's one guy that, you know, if I had more time in my day and I could just chat with one person. Obviously, there's a long list of, of people before him, but it would, it would, pro- I would want to just check in with Furter and see what he's doing. You know, I I don't disagree with you. He's a good guy to check in with. I yeah. don't think he's going to answer, but I'm I'm trying to call him right now. We'll okay. see if Josh is available. He's he's uh, he's staying busy with Cutie May stuff, as far as yep. I know. Um, you know they need they need their support right now, as you can imagine. Um, a lot of conservation organizations are you know without a funding source, so yep. kind of tough times for a lot of folks like that. So Josh is definitely working hard to try to help there. Um, Hello. Hey, it's Furter. He answered. He answered. He answered. <laughs> he answered. This is unbelievable. Oh man, Furter just went from too. the shittiest podcast ever to the greatest podcast ever. <laughs> Welcome to the Wired Up Podcast, Josh. Oh man, <laughs> I, I maybe I shouldn't have answered. <laughs> hey, you're live, buddy. You're live. You are live. How how are you I'm doing? Live. Yeah. I just got back from a, a little walk with the family. How nice. nice. So um, it's good. Good. Got got weighed out in the in the carrier and got like a couple miles in. It's like a modified uh, heavy pack hike. Oh, you're doing some training, aren't you? I'm well, just just uh, trying to get myself in some quarantine shape. That's good. Did you have you put on a quarantine 15 or anything that you're working off, or is this have you been good and on your best behavior this whole time? Uh, I'm, I'm actually like, um, on the quarantine, like down 15, I, I'm finally losing all this baby weight. Whoa. So I'm, I'm, I, uh, I don't know what we're doing. Maybe I think it's just cause I'm not eating out as much on the road and all that kind of stuff. So it's called stress, buddy. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's probably a big part of it. Too. I gained 12 pounds in the first five or six weeks of the lockdown oh. and it's because I was in charge of grocery shopping now. <laughs> so literally I would go to the grocery store and because it's like a depressing time and there's nothing else to do, I'm like, I need something good in my life right now. So I bought chocolate cake. I bought Oreo. I bought, it was yeah. like, it was like going to deer camp. Everything I saw yeah. that I want, I'm like, all right, I'm buying it. I don't care. I'm buying it. I'm buying it. <laughs> Dessert every night. Yeah. So that didn't yep. go well. Well. So, hey, Ferger, Dan Johnson here, Wired to Hunt podcast. I, <laughs> I want to ask you a question. When you're, when you're sitting around having some beers with the boys, what, and not your children, but like Mark and, and Corey and all those other guys, mm-hmm. um, what is your, what's your go-to snack? 
to munch, oh, not, not a main meal, not a main meal, but a snack to eat while you're drinking beers. Oh, well, I'm drinking beers. Oh, I feel like I'm being set up for something here. No, you're not, um, by the way. I don't know, dude. Um, I feel like I've got a couple different things. Like, if we're like, this wouldn't be drinking beers, but if we're like road tripping, um, <laughs> I know where peanut, this is going. Peanut butter filled pretzels. Um, <laughs> that, that's a road trip snack. You know, if his wife. Like, his wife won't let him eat those at home, Dan. Yeah. Why not? She says I always eat like half of the thing, and then just they just sit in our pantry forever because I get like worn out on them. I mean, they're just, like they're they're good like at home, Did but they're you? not quite the same. Like when you're on the road, okay. um, <laughs> uh, man, just like sitting around, like hanging out, like at deer camp or something. Like I don't know. I mean, what are we? I'm trying to think. We always just have junk up there, man. Like Oreos or jerky or chips and dips. Anything like chips, yeah. Like anything like salty, like uh, chips and salsa, all that kind of stuff. The standard, nothing, nothing crazy. What do you think, Dan? Do you approve? Yeah, that's that's all right. I, I wasn't going to judge him. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to venison shame him, Mark, like he did me the other time. <laughs> I feel like I've done that a few times to you. Yeah, <laughs> you don't eat venison with every meal. Are you kidding me? <laughs> um, did you ever try whatever that idea was that I? I was. It was uh, convincing your wife to eat more venison by offering up the the money savings for vacations. Did you try that? No. It won't work. <laughs> well, it won't work. Uh, it's worth a shot. Now, a lot of you guys are familiar with the old hunting tradition of eating, you know, some organ, the heart or a chunk of liver off the first animal you kill. I had that when I was a little kid and it was a big deal. Organ meats were always prized by frontier people who knew the importance of getting a lot of different minerals and nutrients. And as often is the case, those guys were on to something. Because organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. And you can get the same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil made exclusively from regeneratively raised, grass-fed, and finished cattle. Heart and Soil's unique freeze-drying process means all those important nutrients are trapped in ensuring you experience every one of the benefits of nature's superfood in a clean, convenient, taste-free capsule. Find out more at heartandsoil.co and make sure to use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. That's heartandsoil.co. Use the code MEATEATER. We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go, but here's one product that stood the test of time, Seafoam Motor Treatment. Lots of hunters and anglers know that seafoam helps engines run better and last longer. And it's really simple. When you pour it into your gas tank, seafoam cleans harmful fuel deposits that cause engine problems. I'm talking common stuff like hard starts, rough engine performance, or lost fuel economy. Seafoam is an easy way to prevent or overcome these problems. Just pour a can into your gas tank and let it do its job. Now you probably know someone who's used a can of seafoam to get their truck or boat going again. Because people everywhere rely on it to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way they should the entire season. So, help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. Hey, you know what, Dan? Josh. 
Josh has a turkey story for us. He has actually killed the turkey. Oh, I want to hear it. I want to hear it. Better than two of them. We just, me and, me and Dan just talked about how we can't kill a turkey. Tell us how to do it, Josh. Well, it's a really short story. Um, it didn't take a whole long time. Dan, I've been wearing out Mark that he hasn't had me on his, uh, his bonus turkey podcast yet. <laughs> I go out there and killed one opening morning and I don't even get any love. Oh, um, man. He's got to bring in all these experts or whatever. Yeah. So, um, That's a loose term. Yeah. <laughs> True. No, so I, uh, I, opening morning of um, Michigan season, I, I went out. It was actually like the first time I've ever turkey hunted alone. We're Usually we're doing like a, like a turkey camp or, you know, we're getting together with some guys and, and turkey hunting together. So this is the first time I've ever gone out alone. And I get there, I get to the property, um, you know, I feel like I'm doing pretty good on time and get out of my truck and start, um, you know, get everything around, get my gun out of the case. And my door doesn't close. Like, like I thought I closed my doors. So I close a little harder. I've got, I've got an F-150 and it's like the aluminum frame. And, uh, for whatever reason, the door is like, they're hard to close. They don't close quietly. Um, so I close a little hard and boom, shot gobbles, like close to the house, close to where I'm parked. So I had an idea of where they were. And so I kind of did this big loop around. See something and I, for some reason, I just feel like that part is exaggerated. I just, I just had this vision in my head that instead Josh opened the truck door got out and just slams the door shut and starts like hauling it and then dude my uncle used to do that my uncle used to my uncle used to pull into a parking spot at public ground we'd get out real quiet and he would slam the door as hard as he could and that is what would trigger a a shot gobble so i I believe you it's it's almost not a bad idea (laughs) yeah no and and honestly like i was i i park like i park at the house um of this property um, and so I think there, these birds, they just haven't been hunted. I don't know when the last time this place has been turkey hunted, to be honest. So, you know, I had seen some birds like fly up into trees and, and roost, um, near the house when I was deer hunting. So I kind of had an idea of where I wanted to go. Um, I was just really surprised they were right there. So they're, they're like right there. So I do this little loop around, I sit down by a tree and I've got birds and like all directions just going off um on the roost i mean they were just gobbling their heads off um and it was cold man it was like there's still snow on the ground um up here so um just did like a couple like real light little calling sequences just let them know uh hey there's maybe a hen in the area and there's two toms in, in this um tree and man they flew down a little bit after daylight and uh, one of them kind of stayed up on this little ridge and he was he was strutting around, putting on a show, and this other one just came running right in, and um, I just shot him at like 30 yards and dropped him, and that was the end of my turkey season. It lasted all of about 30 minutes, <laughs> um, and I had like I pulled the trigger, saw him go down, I was like pumped, and I was like, man, now I've got a month and a half of quarantine <laughs> with no more turkey tags. You know? So it's kind of like a, oh man, what did I do? But no, I, I was really pumped to to get one and. Uh, definitely like a little bit of a confidence booster even even if i didn't do uh had to do a ton for it i felt like i at least did something right to put myself in the in the right spot so heck yeah you eat it yet uh not yet nope we just had uh we just had a new recipe put up over on the meat eater website uh danielle i think it was put together a 
Chick-fil-A kind of replica mm-hmm. recipe for turkey nuggets that yep. looks very good. Um, I saw that. I think that one's on our list to try. Yeah. I, uh, it's hard to beat turkey nuggets one in one form or fashion or another. I, I that's just good old fashioned eating. Yep. Brown food. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Right back to that, Dan. You're right. <laughs> um, so I have a couple listener questions that uh, I did want to try to get to. And now that you're here, Josh, it's particularly relevant, I think. Uh, are you willing to stick on and answer a couple of these? Sure. I'll, I'll do my best here. <laughs> Is, were you in your office working or was were you I, like I in am. the middle of hanging out with your wife? <laughs> no, I was in my office. I was in my office trying to get some work done. And I, uh, I was like, man, I don't know if he's meaning to call me, but I'll uh, – I'll see what he's doing. It's amazing. It's the best luck I've had all year. But I know. This, is awesome. <laughs> this, this might be a segment. I know. We really should <laughs> call, it, call in further for the last quarter. <laughs> oh, okay. So, so Brock sent me a, a couple questions here. He says he's 28 and looking for a mentor uh, for big game hunting and conservation. He's really into this stuff, getting into it, newly into it. Um, it's curious first, first of three questions. One, any suggestions for finding some kind of mentorship? Number two, he's really interested and excited about public lands, wants to support them. He's been trying to get involved with TRCP and BHA, but he'd like to know how he can get more involved. And then question number three, he's curious about how we molded our careers as outdoorsmen and conservationists how have we gotten a job within this sector um so all three of us work within the outdoor world we all in one form or fashion do some stuff with conservation and mentorship but josh uh what would you what about question number one when it comes to mentorship yeah sure i mean really my suggestion would be just to you know connect with any of the the local conservation groups in your area whether it be you know qdma or bha or Pheasants Forever, Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, I mean, whoever it is, you know, they may not have a specific program going on in your area, but I'm sure they've got people who are seasoned hunters and, and willing to take somebody new out. And, you know, you could, you're probably within a stone's throw of a, a branch or a chapter wherever you are in the country of, of, of one of those groups. And um, uh, I would say you have a pretty good luck of, of finding someone that'd be willing to take you out or, or show you um, some things or, or whatever, um, from, from one of those groups. Yeah. I feel like that's like the single best way these days, even just if you want to meet some like-minded, like hunting, fishing buddies, if you move to a new place or something like that's going to be my new go-to move is just tap into whatever the local conservation org is chapter branch, whatever. And, and yeah, especially like BHA QDMA where they have all these local events going on. Um, such an easy way to get connected and then you've yeah. got new friends you've got new mentors you've got yep. new ideas and opportunities and all those all those organizations have like a website where typically you can just go to their their main like national website and do like find a branch or a chapter and you can pretty much you know filter down to your state and area and where things are at find them on facebook on um, the local groups on facebook i mean there's all all kinds of different ways to connect locally with people Okay, so speaking on these same things, and let's go to the next one, which is how can I? He specifically talked about public lands, but let's uh, let's expand it from public lands just to overall conservation stuff in general. Uh, 
given all of your experience managing things for QDMA, any other advice other than just connecting with these groups uh, to get involved, to do more? Um, I don't know. What do you see as some of those like areas of weakness that you guys need more help with or that BHA needs more help with? Because I don't know if you knew this, Dan, but not only is Josh the QDMA regional director, he's also on the board for Michigan's BHA uh, organization as well. Right, Josh? Mm-hmm. Multi- yeah, multifaceted. Yeah, helping out with some of the like hunter recruitment stuff on the board and whatnot. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think the biggest thing is, is just a lot of people don't know um, what's going on or how to get involved. So, one of the things I would I would suggest if if you're not a member of those groups that you um, are interested in, definitely becoming a member. Get on their email lists. Um, you know, all these groups send out uh, like e-blasts or email notifications of different events or volunteer opportunities that are happening, um, in the, in your area. Um, they can all filter down and, and target specific areas where, you know, things are happening. So make sure you join, join their email list. That, that's the best way to stay up to date, um, on what they've got going on, follow the, the local Facebook pages or, or whatnot. And, um, that would be my suggestion on how to make sure you're, you're keeping track of what's going on. Dan, do you have any thoughts on those? Yeah, other than I think my only insight would be to contact your local uh, county conservation board. And these guys are working on projects all the time, and they're looking for volunteers all the time. And depending on if you what you're looking to provide, if you're looking to volunteer, you're looking to provide, um, you know, money. They're like, hey, I got some money. I want to help, you know, with a project or whatever. Hey, I'm recording a podcast, guys. Hey, get out of here. <laughs> get out of here. Shut the door all the way. Sorry. Best podcast ever. Continuing. Right. Continuing with flush the best down, podcast ever. Flush it down the toilet. You're not even recording, are you? <laughs> no, this is never this is never going to air, man. <laughs> you stopped recording as soon as I answered the phone. Yeah. <laughs> uh so you were saying, Dan? Yeah, it just it depends on what you what you're wanting to do. If you want to give money or if you want to volunteer time, um, you know, I would start at you know at a at a hyper local level uh, with your county conservation board because they're always looking for people to help do with you know do the projects. Um, specifically, in the county that I live in, recently they drained a lake and they had to do some work on it. Right, so as they're filling it up, they were looking for volunteers to help plant underwater vegetation. So get in the mud, you know, and and plant these plants. And then as the water fills back up into this lake, then the plants start to grow. So their projects are looking for volunteers all the time. Hmm. That's a great, it's a great point. And those are probably the types of organizations, local, very local county kind of things that have a little bit harder time probably rallying people to come help on some of that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. um, You know, the only thing I would add on top of that, just unique to right now, is I've I've seen a lot of organizations like QDMA and and others who usually have these in-person banquets or pint nights or whatever that they depend on for funding. They can't do those right now. So they're trying to do virtual things, virtual giveaways, virtual you know, fundraisers more than usual. And, um, and they're pretty dependent on trying to raise some money right now to try to keep people employed, try to keep the the thing going. So 
I would just echo same thing that I know all of us have been talking about. Um, if you have a little extra money, usually it's always like, hey, money's great, but donate time because um, that's usually in, in less supply. But I think right now a lot of organizations organizations really do need money. So if you happen to have an extra dollar or two, I know it's tight for, for everyone right now in different ways, but uh, if you can swing a little extra, I know I'm sure folks like you guys at QDMA would love a little participation in those online giveaways, raffles, whatever. Right, Jay? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I mean, um, you know, nonprofit groups, they're always running at, you know, lean, lean levels and, and, you know, what's going on right now has definitely had a, had a big impact on, on how we're able to, you know, operate even just on a daily basis with different in-person events. And, and like you said, there's not a whole lot of opportunities to be out there doing things right now or, you know, gathering. Um, so yeah, definitely right now. I mean, if you've got a couple bucks to spare or even just join as a member, it's, um, it means a lot right now. Yeah. All right. What about the last part of that question? Uh, getting a career within the outdoor world. Um, I know we've had conversations like this in the past, so we've covered it, but is there anything new, Dan or Josh? I don't think I've ever gotten your perspective, Josh. Um, I get this. I'm sure you guys all get it too. Everyone, tons and tons of questions about how do you get a job in the outdoor industry? How do you get involved in this career? Any new thoughts or different thoughts on that? Um, Dan, maybe? (sighs) You know, uh, I, I, I get asked all the time and I'm sure you do too, Mark, you know, Oh dude, I would love to do what you do. I would love to work in the hunting industry or whatever. This is, if if you want consistent paychecks and if you want to have a secure income, this is not what you want to do <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> because I mean, straight up it's uh, there, there's times where it struck, you know, you struggle. Right. I mean, I, this is a perfect example, you know, a lot right now, a lot of these hunting industry companies are having to hold their money in for, you know, hold it in. And, uh, luckily I, you know, I'm, I'm doing okay right now, but you know, if you're just new getting into it, make sure you have another job first, right. And then work your way up and and all that stuff. And this is nothing new, but start somewhere else. Don't you don't have to go to content creation right away. I mean, you can do what Josh is doing. You can do, um, you know, whatever your background is. You can start a, a side gig doing that, or you know, if you have an idea for a product or whatever. There's a thousand different things that you can do to get your foot in the door. Yeah, that's a great point. Yep. Yeah, I would I would echo that. I mean, anything you can do to network and and just meet as many different people as you can. Um, within that space that you're looking to get into. I mean, I, I think that's key and, and do what you can on the side and, and kind of build that, um, resume. And maybe, you know, if you're looking to do what I like in, in the conservation world or whatever, I mean, maybe you look at volunteering with some groups and that's a great way to meet people. It's a great thing to have on your resume. Um, and then you have to be willing just to take the leap and, and, you know, go outside of your comfort zone. If you're in the, you know, I was in the the corporate banking world. And I, you know, I was doing all right. And, um, I just knew it wasn't what I wanted to do forever. And I just had to be willing to kind of go outside of my comfort zone and and take that leap of faith. And man, I I can't imagine doing anything different at this point, you know? Yeah. It's, it's a lifestyle choice for sure in a lot of ways. And I'm glad it worked out for you. 
I think the only thing I would add, I would just uh, echo something you just said, Josh, and just expand on it a little bit. I think that um, volunteering your time is a great way to get a foot in because this is like where there's a lot of people that want to work in this world. And if you can somehow offer your services and, you know, it's a donation of your time, your energy, your ideas, your artwork, your photography, whatever. Um, if you can find a way to get your foot in the door in that kind of way, you know, uh, that's that foot in the door is so important. The networking and the foot in the door is, is so key. And then I think, you know, the networking is a little different right now because in the past, you know, networking could be going to these different conventions. It could be going to various events, uh, whatever. Now it's more virtual networking, at least in the short term here. Um, so this is when you're, and I, I, I don't know if I'm hesitant to do this, to say this or not, but like your digital, your digital presence is maybe more important than ever. Your, who you are online is kind of your resume in a lot of ways. And so thinking about that, not as just like where you rant on Facebook to your friends, but also realizing that might be the one way that you're able to connect with someone in the outdoor industry right now. Or the one way you can build a connection with someone is through what you post and share on Instagram. So I would just, if you want to get into this world and you want to start connecting with other people, which I highly recommend you do, that's happening digitally right now. So be cognizant of the digital impact you have, what you're saying, what you're putting out there, how you present yourself, um, and think about it more than just like your local bar, I guess might be what I would say. So different, different kind of angle there. And on the, at the same time, if you do what you just said, I feel like whenever someone new comes into the digital space, they instantly try to compete on a nation level on, on a national level. When I, I feel that there is a market that's untapped at a local level on a super niche, on a super niche level to where let's say you're county specific or area specific, right? You know, maybe it's not nationwide, but hey, maybe it's Southeast Illinois, you know, hey, it's the Southeast Illinois something or other or whatever, whatever it is at a very hyper-focused level. I think there's, there's value in that as well. And I'll tell you what, right now, I would listen to the Southeast Illinois something or other podcast. <laughs> tell me what, that's a podcast I would click on. <laughs> uh, all right, last question. And then uh, and then I'm going to have to bounce because I just got a picture of a two-year-old that's not wearing pants that was pulling at my wife's jacket while she's on a phone call. So, uh, if What's you had, new? Yeah, right. <laughs> just another day in our life. Just wait. Josh. I don't know what's so hard about all this. Mine just sleeps. A yeah, couple just, hours a day. just shut wait. up. Just Hang wait. up on him. <laughs> Hang up yeah, on Ber- him. Get him off. Burner's the- done. <laughs> <laughs> if uh, if you had twenty bucks and just twenty bucks to buy a gift right now for our listeners, so you got twenty bucks per listener. You can buy one thing, and we're going to give it to everybody right now. What would you buy him, Dan? I'm going to put you on the spot. Ooh, uh, I'm going to buy every one of the listeners and I have 20 bucks to spend. I'm going to buy him a 30 pack of Bushlight. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they have to prove they're 21 first, but as long as that's the case, 30, yeah. they're dirty 30. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we're helping out with that digital happy hour. That is, that is the post hunt celebration. Okay. Is there a pickled egg in there somewhere for him too? 
I think uh, if you can find a, if you can find a thirty pack for like fifteen bucks, and I'm uh, or maybe I don't even know what a thirty pack cost. I'll be honest with you, probably close to twenty bucks, maybe twenty five bucks. I don't know. Maybe it's on discount. Maybe maybe I'm only getting them a case of beer. But <laughs> with the leftover money, I'm sure there's a packet of pickled eggs you can buy as well. All right, that's a great gift for right now. Uh, <laughs> Furter, what are you buying with your twenty bucks? Oh man. Twenty bucks. That that's a tough one. That's a tough question. Um, if you can get uh, an acorn cruncher for twenty bucks, <laughs> no, there's because they're not. I don't think they're in production anymore. There's collectors' oh, items. Man. I bet you like a hundred bucks a pop. Yeah. Oh, man, man, oh man. Um, twenty bucks. Uh, this is. I you probably have a little left over, but if I could buy one thing for everybody right now. I'd buy them uh, that wild country. Ah, <laughs> um, some good, some good reading material. Are you kidding uh, me, Furter? <laughs> <laughs> Are you how how deep is your nose in Kenyon's butt? I'm, I'm just looking at my bookshelf here and pop right up. But oh. you got to get it for the back cover model. That's that's really where the that's where it's at. Yeah, did you. you know that, Dan? Josh is the he is on the back cover. Congrats, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing, uh, man. That's that's a that's a really hard question though. Twenty dollars. I feel like you can get a lot with twenty dollars, but you can't get a lot with twenty dollars. Yeah, you know, I I don't know what I would say. I was gonna say a book too, but now I feel like a book suggestion would be a cheap uh, answer, given the fact that you plugged mine so nicely. Um, <laughs> but you can find that wild country at your local bookstore online, Barnes and Noble, <laughs> Amazon. <laughs> Grinding. <laughs> if you want to make it in the outdoor industry, always grinding. <laughs> um, no, you know, I would buy a Sand County Almanac for everybody. I can't think of anything but a book, but that would be the book I think I'd buy. So on that note, boys, I need to end our little social distancing, socialization happy hour. So, uh, Josh, thanks for hopping on here impromptu. <laughs> yeah, hey, th- thanks for the call. Good to, good to catch up. Daniel. Thank you as always. Sure. Be safe out there. Have a good time. Good luck turkey hunting, Dan. Let's do this again soon. Sounds good. I will talk to you guys later. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Uh, I know this one was kind of all over the place, but I hope you got a couple laughs. Hope you enjoyed this kind of break from normal. Uh, I know that I needed this. Hopefully you did too. Hopefully you can do something similar with friends of your own. And until next time, I hope you'll stay wired to hunt. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank, 
hunters and anglers rely on Seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more.